We all know the story. It's a very familiar story. It first starts out and says that there was a man in the land of Oz, or Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil, shunned evil, turned away from evil, however you want to define that word. But we all know he, you know, turned his face or turned his back on evil. And there was born unto him his three, um, seven sons, three daughters. Verse 3 tell us of his substance, which includes 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Sometimes when I read something like this, I, I, I'm trying to get into the mind of the author and, and wonder, why did he make it a point to outline the substance of this man. There is the notion that 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 you know we should not be rich. There is the notion that you know uh, we need to watch out for the dangers of wealth. But if we look at what the scripture says, it's not so much that the uh, the you know acquiring wealth, but so much the spirit behind. Because the Bible cautions those that are rich to be careful of the snares that it produces. It also says it's the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money that is the root. And so we see that whether they were rich, whether they were middle class, whether they were affluent, that, that God uses each and every person that will make themselves available to him to be used. Amen. And we see that Job in this text is a very wealthy man. Can you imagine what it would be like to have 7,000 sheep, 500 yoke of oxen? When you consider a yoke, a yoke is two, so that's a thousand, if my math is correct. <laughs> okay. But it says 500 yoke of oxen. A very great household. So it's not a, a, a 10 by 10, a 20 by 20, or even 100 by 100. But a very great household. Servants, um, those that attended to him, you know. And he said that he was the greatest of all the men of the East. So, so this man Job is not just um, well known amongst his peers or amongst his community, but he is known, I would say, uh, in the known world, those in the East. The notoriety of this man. Why? Because this man feared if you want the secret to success, if you want the secret to wealth, if you want the secret to, to being famous, let it start with fearing God. The Bible says that 
fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And in the book of Proverbs, where wisdom is personified, she talks about being there with God from the beginning on to the end. She talks about giving the, you know, those that seek after her all that they would desire, what they want to know, what they don't need to know, and how they live their life, how to raise their children, and so on and so on. If you want to have success in your life, begin by fearing God. And so we get to the meat of this story. It says that there was a day when the son of men, the sons of men, went and came before God and Satan came with them. I know I skipped verse 4 and 5. That was okay. And the first thing that happens is God says, where are you coming from? If you'll allow me, you know, I have a crazy imagination. I could almost imagine what that conversation was like. Satan, of course, uh, having the, you know, the luxury, the ability or the, the opportunity to come in the presence of God joins the rest of the sons of God. I looked up the word sons just to be sure. And, and it just simply meant, you know, familiar or those of the family. So it could have been sons and angels, however you want to put it. But it's all those of the family of God. And Satan just happened to show up. And God, seeing him, says, where do you come from? And of course, Satan, shying from, not shying from opportunity, said, no, just my usual rounds going up and down. In the earth, walking to and fro in it. And we know what the Bible says. It says that Satan walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So for the for, for one time, he's not lying. <laughs> he tells the truth. Just going up and down in the earth. And so God not wanting to make any small talk, says, Has thou considered my servant Job? Now, like I said, I'm using my imagination here. I'm, I'm, why did God just cut to the chase here? Because it's, it's obvious that whenever Satan comes into the presence of God, he's always coming to make accusation. As if God doesn't know. His children, as if God doesn't know when we've slipped up, messed up, done something wrong, said something out of character, etc., etc. As if God needs a recorder, amen, as to what's going on. But I believe the author wants us to, to, to note how important it is when we are walking in righteousness that God takes notice and he is very happy about it, so much so that he is willing to boast about it. And that's why I said, has thou considered? That's why I hinged on those words, because I want you to know today, this morning, that God, when he looks at you, is going to say to Satan, has thou considered my servant? 
in spite of the fact that you have messed up, in spite of the fact that you have done things that you now regret, he is still going to say, as thou considered. Here's why. He said there is none like him in the earth. A perfect and an upright man. One that fears God and shuns. The very criteria that is needed in order to please God. Fear. Being upright. And turning from evil. Amen. Three simple things. And so God makes it a point to tell Satan, consider my servant. But of course, Satan with his accusatory self said, does Job not fear you for nothing? In other words, you got to be doing something for him to be, you know, being good, for him to be doing righteously. And, Joe, and he goes on with his accusation and said, look, take away all that you've given him. Take away his possessions. Remove the covering of security that you have about him. And I tell you, he will curse it you to your face. Brothers and sisters, that accusation has not changed today. The blessings of God upon our lives are evident when people look at us. It's in our faces. It's in how we commune one with another. It is also said that, um, on just a sidebar, that integrity of a person is what they do when no one is looking. Amen? And the fear of God will... It is what that brings about the integrity of a person. But when we look at Job and we look at our own lives, when we look at how that we have been blessed, we may not have the largest of homes or the finest of cars, but, but we have our health. Amen? We have our families. Yes, we may have experienced some loss. But we are still here. There is still a work to do. And so God is still at work using each and every one of us to bring about his glory in the earth. And so Satan, like I said, with his accusatory self, still brings the same argument. What do you mean hast thou considered my servant? You know what he did. You know he snuck out and went to the bar last night. You know he went to the club. You know he was sleeping with that woman. Yeah, I know. These are not the things that we talk about. <laughs> but those are the things that are recorded. Amen. And those are the things that Satan will point out to you. Bring it back to your remembrance, just in case if you happen to forget. Those are the things that he wants to agonize you about. Because if he can be successful in driving a wedge between you and God, he has done his job. And if he can get you to be an enemy of 
God, then he has proven God to be a fool. Because how can God be just and merciful at the same time? If we look at our lives, it is evident that he can be. Because when we sin, when we miss the mark, we are certainly guilty of the punishment. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So we are deserving to die. But praise God, the gift of God is eternal life. So the mercy kicked in and said, I'm going to give you life instead, though you are deserving of death. But God still, being just, took upon himself the penalty that we deserve and died in our stead, thus proving himself still to be just and merciful. And so, Satan is given the instruction because he says to God, you do it. You take away the possession. You remove the security, the hedge of protection about him. But God, not being tempted, says, I will give you that power. You go ahead and touch everything that he has. With one condition, do not put a hand on it. I'm going to repeat that. With one condition, do not put a hand on my servant. So every time Job and Satan comes to accuse God, he's seeking an occasion to prove his accusation true. That's why we have trial. That's why we have suffering. But the condition is, do not touch my servant. How many parents in the house? Let me see your hands. Okay. Y'all will testify when I say this. It's one thing when someone comes at you to contend with you. It's another when they go after someone you love. Mm -hmm. Oh, you are a much different person then. You're not the calm, happy Sabbath person. (laughs) Right? Come on now, let's be real. You know, you're not the smiling, oh, it's a good day to be a child of God. Welcome, welcome to Tallahassee first. Oh, no. Is like, man, if you had known me in my former life, you'd have moved yourself out of my face. <laughs> you don't know about my reputation, do you? I mean, we can go on and on. But that's, but that's pretty much what God is doing here. He is saying, do whatever. Okay, take away his stuff. It's not like they won't be replaced. But if you touch him, 
oh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be some hell breaking up in here. And so I'm saying this to remind you again: Has thou considered? Have you considered that you are a type of joke this morning? Okay, you know you don't have the wealth Job has. That's fine. That's okay. But God is looking at you as his servant, boasting about you by saying, this person is one that is perfect and upright, fears God, shuns evil. That may not be said of you every day, but because God is the one that justifies, no matter what, it is as if you have never sinned. So no matter what accusation the enemy brings, God is always saying he is perfect, upright, one that fears God, shuns evil. So take note of him. So moving on. We see also in this story that just because we are prosperous. It does not exempt us from suffering. In fact, it's prosperity that even brings on more suffering. Because it has to be proven that we're not in serving God. We're not into the idea of serving God because we get things from That's what Satan is always going to argue. Hey, if you didn't give him that car, he would not worship you. If you didn't give him that brand new house, he would not serve you. If you didn't give him those children, he would not serve you. On the outside looking in, that's what it looks like. But God who knows the heart, tries the reins, knows that it is because of a heart that follows after God that seeks after him, it is why he boasts about you. It is why he considers you. If you don't believe me how special being chosen is, talk to that person that goes out on the park, sits there and watch everybody playing basketball. And he is wondering why he's not on the team. Talk to that person who has gone out to their prom and hoping that they would have one last dance, but stayed at the water cooler by himself. Talk to that person who has gone on to uh, hundreds of interviews, has uh, a resume, you know, to speak of, but is he still not offered a job? Talk to that person who, after living a lifestyle that God knows, <laughs> when he hears the gospel that tells him that God loves you no matter what, then you will begin to understand what being chosen is. 
Because I guarantee you, when that person who has never been selected on the team is chosen by someone, regardless of whether he makes a basket or not, he's going to go home and say, boy, oh boy, did I have a great day. That person who has had that you know, ridiculous resume, but is called in and says, you got the job. It doesn't matter where he starts in the company, but he was chosen. You are chosen. The Bible tells us that God chooses what? The weak things of this world to confound the strong. The foolish things to confound the wise. Why would God do that? So that he will show himself to be the God that the Bible says he is. So when I look on each and every one of you, I see people that are chosen. I see people that are special to God. Because he gave his life for you. That's, that's enough. That's enough. There's also another argument in the book of Job where we see that Satan is given, like I said, the, the power to cause pain. And so it is believed that, that God, who is almighty, all-powerful, and that no one is really innocent before him, that's the type of God he is. And so thus, it is argued that because you have trouble is because you have committed sin. While the argument can be for yea or nay, is not the point of the story of Job. The point is that God considers you regardless, regardless of your status in life. Regardless of where you come from or regardless of what you have done. And that the suffering in your life is not always because of sin. Sometimes they come to perfect our character. I've heard it said very convincingly that faith is nothing without tension. In other words, a rubber band is not effective if it is not stretched. So in other words, for you to have the character of Christ, there must be some adversity in your life. God knowing who you are, knows just the amount of adversity that is needed to bring you to where he needs you to be. That is why some suffer more than others. That is why 
we have different levels of laws. Because God is wanting to bring you to another level in him. And the higher you go, the greater the test is going to be. Take, for example, gold when it's being refined. The higher the temperature, the more the impurities are taken out. So I, I, I'm saying this so I, because when you look at the things that are happening in your life, you're going to hear the voice in your head that says, Oh, you did something or else. I want you to say, just like Jesus did, Get thee behind me, Satan, because thou savorest not the things of God. And I want you to look at it as God is just trying to perfect my character. There is something in my life that is keeping me from moving to the next level. That is keeping me from moving to the next stage. That is keeping me from having the success that I always dreamt about. Because along this journey of life, you're going to have some bumps in the road. But praise God, you don't go over those bumps. So the adversity comes, the adversity comes, whether by suffering, whether by loss or whatever. To perfect the character of God in us. We look at the life of Job and we saw it was one thing after another, after another, after another. Until finally the one that broke him was the one when he said, your children have been taken away. It's a tough thing to lose possession. It is harder to lose loved ones. And uh, familiar, and the argument was, go ahead, curse God and die. What did Job say? The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. <laughs> but blessed be the name of the Lord. Not the typical response that you want. But Job understood the reason I am where I am, the reason I have what I have, is because the Lord is good. It's because he has blessed. And so his, enemy, his friends come and they encourage him along those same arguments. The reason, Job, you are having these problems is because of sin. So you need to repent and get back into the good graces of God. What a lie. What a lie. It is simply that God is working in your life to bring you closer to him and to take out those things that will get in the way of your relationship. with him. So be careful who you get advice from. Be very careful who you get advice from. From, because what may have sounded good is not always good. Because Peter, meaning well, says, no, 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 no. We're not going to go to Jerusalem. No, no. God, Jesus recognizing that this is, this is Satan talking here. 
and went right to the source. We have to do the same thing. When we recognize that we're getting advice from someone and it's not to the glory of God, we need to say the same thing. Get thee behind me because you do not savor the thing of God. It may be tough, but it's necessary sometimes. It's necessary because God has a plan for each and every one of us. The scripture tells us there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. So in the end, we know the story. Satan is silenced. Everyone is silenced. And God is proven to be vindicated in the life of Job. Job, for his faithfulness, is given twice what he had before. He's given twice what he has before. We're also told that, you know, we may have loss in this, in this life. But in the world to come, we'll have so much more. Let that be your aim. Let that be your desire to make it into the kingdom. Before I close, I just want to share these things with you. Blessed is the man that makes God his trust. When the question is asked, what is man that you are mindful of him? Understand that is because he has put him very self into you. He has made an investment into you and he will, I repeat, he will have a return on that investment. And so it is our job to always vindicate God for him boasting about us, his servants. He has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He has promised, I will not put on you more than you can bear. He has promised that my grace is sufficient. Probably not the words you want to hear when you're going through stuff. I want to hear, take it away, take it away, get me out of this. But my grace is sufficient. Sufficient to get you through it. Because when you walk through the fire, and I'm reading lastly Isaiah chapter 43. It says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. So I want to say this to you. God considers you to prove Satan is a liar. God considers you to vindicate him. God considers you to again silence the adversary. So will you prove him true? When you 
wake up in the morning to when you go back to sleep? Will you prove him true that his boasting of you is such? I hope you do, because I know I will, because I hear those words in my head. Hast thou considered my servant?